Hi, welcome back to Speak Up Sis Podcast. This is the place where everyday women and men have an opportunity to share their stories to inspire yours. We say what you think no one wants to hear, but everyone needs to know. I'm your host, Angel Charmaine. This is day seven of the Everyday Woman series, and Miss Rachel Morrison is our keynote speaker. And her topic today is Embrace the Journey. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. I am Rachel Renee. That's my pen name. That's my first and middle name. But of course, everyone knows me by Rachel Morrison. I am so excited to be here today. And I just want to thank Angel for allowing me to utilize her her platform where I'm able to share with you my topic, Embrace the Journey. And first and foremost, I just give God the highest praise for allowing me to just be here today. This is probably my hardest interview ever. (laughs) And the reason being is because I am telling my story. I do not tell my story. I give my testimony, but I don't tell my story. I don't tell my story because I don't like to have to venture back down memory lane from the place where I come from because um, I've been delivered and I've been set free from that torment, from that pain. But it didn't come overnight. I truly had to learn what it meant and what it means to embrace the journey. My story deals with molestation. It deals with rape. It deals with depression, anxiety. It deals with rejection. It deals with abandonment. For so many years, I felt hopeless. For so many years, I felt in despair. For so many years, I wanted to give up on life. I always felt like I was last. I was in the middle of five. I have four older brothers that my daddy had from previous marriages, but then in the house with me, my mom and my dad who were married, um, I had, I was the middle of five. As the middle child, I always felt like I was never, I never had any value, never had any worth. And because I felt like that, I treated myself like that. I would tell my mother that, you know, she didn't have to get me anything great. I would she could buy my shoes from Walmart, buy my shoes from Payless, while everyone else got nice shoes from Foot Locker. Um, I was often picked on. I was often talked about. And I just wondered if anybody saw me, if anybody noticed me, if anybody recognized me. My dad was a minister, so I grew up in the church, whether it was a 12 tribe rally, whether it was a revival service. When the doors of the church were open, we were always there. I remember saying when I was little, when I get older, I'm never going to church. This is crazy. No one had to be at church like this. But the Bible says that when you train up a child in the way that he should go, when he's old, he won't depart. And that's definitely a fact. I gave birth to my first child at the age of 20 and my second child at the age of 23. I never wanted children. I thought that children probably were a mistake because that's what I felt like. I was to my family. I felt like I was a mistake. So I never wanted children. I never wanted any one of my children to have to feel what I felt. So for their safety in in mind, I thought that not having any children would be best. But for some reason, it was the presence of my children that 
taught me what love truly was, what love truly is. My children were born out of wedlock and my self-esteem, it just was going lower and lower and lower and lower. I thought that in order to be accepted by people, by man, I needed to be touched because I was always being touched as a little girl. I was afraid. I didn't know what to do. And I just wanted someone to just see me, anybody to just see me. I met this guy and he was a Jehovah's Witness and he would talk to me and he would tell me about my worth and how valuable I was and how beautiful I was and how intelligent I was. And I said, well, you know what? Just go ahead and sleep with me. That's all you want to do. That's what everyone else wants to do. And he says, no, you have more value than that. And I had never heard those words before, especially spoken from a man. And this was different. This was really different. Well, because he was Jehovah's Witness, he told me, I want to be with you, but in order for us to be together, you have to be what I am. And I said, I know better than that. I, I, I'm not supposed to do that. But God used him to strategically push me closer to Jesus. The more and more he talked about being a Jehovah's Witness, the more and more I read my Bible, the more and more I began to, to learn more about Jesus. But while I was learning about Jesus, I was also learning about me. And this was also teaching me about what God could do for me. Things I didn't know, things that my parents never really talked about when I was little. I would see God performing miracles for my dad, who was oftentimes sick, but I never really experienced God for myself. So I didn't know what it really meant to have a relationship with Christ because all we did was go to church. But for some reason, I was beginning to have a relationship with Christ and I didn't understand what I was doing or understand what was taking place. But I remember reading in the Bible how God would tell me to ask him for this and ask him for that. And I will never forget in Psalm 37 where he said, delight yourself in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. And I said, Lord, I have a desire and my desire is to be married. My parents were married. My brothers and sisters, they're married. And look at me. I have two children out of wedlock. My life is just in shambles. It's a shame. Why would you let this stuff happen to me? Why would you allow these things to occur? Why would you do that to me? Do you even care about me? Do you even see me? He did. He did see me. He said, Rachel, how bad do you want it? I said, I want it real bad. And he said, well, follow me. Following him meant that I had to leave my job and move clear across the country to Missouri. I was away from family. I was away from friends. I was all by myself. I was in isolation. And all I had to depend on was God himself. My children were six and nine. And I had to go to work. And I didn't know anyone. And the fear that I had, I didn't trust anyone because someone might touch my child like they touched me. I was so scared to let my children go anywhere because I was so afraid something would happen. And I would tell God, Lord, you won't protect them because you didn't protect me. And he said, Rachel, I will protect them, but you have to trust me. I said, no, you won't protect them because you didn't protect me. I know. And he said, no, while you're here, you're going to learn about me. You're going to learn who I am. You're going to learn what I can do for you. And I said, well, I don't, I don't trust you. I don't, I don't trust you. And he said, but you have to trust me. The first thing he said was, trust me with your money. What is my money? Yeah. Give me 10% of what you make. 
Give me 10% of your tithes and offering. And I remember reading in Malachi, the third chapter, he said, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out so many blessings that you won't have room to receive them. And I said, oh, this I've got to see. And I began to give God 10% of my tithes and offering and of all the money that I had coming in, whether it was a tax return check, whether it was uh, money on the stuff from a side hustle, whatever it was, I began to give it back to God in 10% increments. And we were living in abundance. We were living in overflow. My family was calling me, asking me for loans. Friends were calling me, asking me to help them out, help them to pay bills. I was living in overflow. I had so much money that I was able to help. This was new. This was different. I was by myself. I didn't have anybody. All I had to, to depend on was God himself. Lord, if you can do this, what else can you do? And he said, I'm going to give you the desires of your heart. How bad do you want it? And I said, I want it real bad. But at this point, I was no longer chasing the desires of my heart. I was chasing him. I was so intrigued at what God could do for me that the desires of my heart, they went behind me. I didn't care about that anymore. I was falling in love. I was falling in love with Jesus. He had me chase the desire, chase him as I was chasing the, the desires of my heart. Only for me, no longer desire that, the, the, those, those things. It didn't matter anymore. And then he said, Rachel, while you're here, I'm going to heal you. Your heart, it's broken. I want to mend it. I want you to know that you can trust me. I want to show you that you can protect me. I said, Lord, I said, I've already seen what you can do. I don't trust you. He said, but you have to. You got to trust me. He began to take me to different places. And he, was, and he would say, go over here and say this and watch what will happen. And I would go places and I would say what he would want me to say. And people would, and I would walk in favor. Doors were opening for me. People were doing things for me that I had never had done before. It, it didn't require me to give away my body. It didn't require me to be touched. I just used the words of my mouth. And I was obedient to what it was that God was saying. And things were changing in my life. Then he said, Rachel, how bad do you want me? And I said, I want you real bad. Lord, you're doing a lot of great things for me. He said, surrender your all to me. I said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I don't trust you. He said, but you have to trust me. I'm going to show you that you can trust me. He said, I, you trust me with your finances. You trust that when I tell you to speak and, and to go, that you would do it and, and, and things are happening. Give me you. Give me your heart. All I want to do is clean it up. And I said, okay, God, I'll give you my heart. So I gave him my heart and he began to clean me. He began to show me what was in, in my heart and where this hurt was coming from, where this pain was coming from. And he said, I'll take this away and I'll take that away and I'll remove this. And he began to remove layers like an onion. And I began to feel free, free, free and more free. See, the enemy wants us to be distracted. He wants us to be reminded of the things of our past that keep, that in, and keep us in bondage. He doesn't want us to be set free. The moment that I surrendered my all to God, I began to write books. I began to have book signings. I began to be asked to speak and to share my testimony about the goodness of God. Doors began to open on my behalf. People began searching for me, looking for me. People often say, Richard, you're perfect. No, I'm not perfect. I'm just covered in righteousness. I ask for what I want and it is so in Jesus name. I read the Bible 
and I encourage other people and I uplift other people and I empower other people. And it's through the empowerment, whether I'm down or no matter where it is I find myself, that I'm uplifted. I have peace. My heart is healed. I'm in a great place. I'm happy. I have vision. I'm a CEO. God is good. But what the enemy doesn't want you to do is he doesn't want you to speak up, sis. He doesn't want you to embrace the journey of life. He wants you to remain in bondage and remain tormented and remain distracted so that you won't speak up and help someone else embrace the journey. This story is for you. It's for you to embrace the, the journey that you're on and trust God to set you free of all that hurt, that pain, that trauma from your, from your past, from your youth. God is a healer and he's ready today to set you free. But how bad do you want it? Embrace the journey and be set free today. 